Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Is anybody interested in that? All things working together for your good? Because that's something we love to shout about, Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Anybody like that verse? I like that verse. We want all things to work together for our good. But, you know, before verse 28, there was a verse 27. And before verse 27, there was a verse 26. And we have to understand if we want all things to work together for our good, we need to go back to where that process started. Anybody want everything to work together for your good again? You sure? What about you online? Go ahead and put it in the chat. If that's you, go ahead and put it in the chat. If you want all things to work together for your good. Let's start at verse 26. Likewise, or in the same way. And Romans chapter 8 is really talking about living by the Spirit and the benefits of that. So in the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now, this word help is interesting. Pastor Curry, if you help me real quick with this. This word help means to lay hold along with, to strive to obtain with others, to help in obtaining, to take hold with one another. So if you... The Holy Ghost helping you, let's say this represents your life today. The Holy Ghost comes alongside of you, and with you, he takes a hold of your weakness. Now, your weakness here, this word is defined as a limitation. Say limitation. Limitation. Because the Holy Spirit helps you by coming alongside of you and laying hold of your limitations. So many believers don't live the supernatural life because they're limited and they have not let the Holy Spirit take hold of their limitations and get them outside of the box. Because you have to imagine if the Holy Spirit helps your limitations, if you live with them and follow him, you are limitless. So the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you, takes a hold unto the limit, and he removes the limitations. But you might say, well, I have a lot of limits. What limit is the apostle talking about here? Specifically, the next part of the verse says, for we know not what to pray for as we ought. A limit in our lives is that we don't know what to pray. We don't. You know, we talked about last week the blessing prayers. Talk about the importance of praying the word and praying to the Holy Ghost. But there comes a point, especially depending on what situation in front of you, you don't even know what to say. You don't even know what to pray. And one of our limitations in life is not knowing what to pray. So notice what it says next. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
So this word utter means not expressed in intelligible words. So the Holy Spirit makes intercession, intercession is a form of prayer, through us in words that cannot be uttered in intelligible speech. So they're words that are not English, nor Spanish, nor French, nor any human language that you know. But there are other words that belong to the Holy Ghost that he'll give you to help you step outside of your limitation. And if you don't access those words, you will remain limited. Because now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This lets you know anytime you pray in this way where the Holy Spirit is removing your limits and giving you these words to pray, you are always praying the perfect will of God. Because what does it tell us in 1 John chapter 5? It says, this is the confidence we have in him, that we pray anything according to his will, we know that he hears us, and if he hears us, we have an answer according, accordingly, right? So you say, well, how can I pray with confidence? One, pray according to the word, and then pray this way with these words that the Holy Ghost gives. Now, what words do the Holy Ghost give? We call it praying in other tongues. Praying in other tongues is the key to live the limitless life. And it's not just something for the super missionary. It's not just something for the prophet. It's not just something for someone who's super spiritual to think, oh, yes, they really, really need to pray in tongues. No. It's for every single believer. God's gift to the world is salvation through Jesus Christ. God's gift to his church is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, where the Bible evidence is speaking in other tongues. Because praying in other tongues, Praying in the Spirit will help you live the limitless life. Too many people are limited because they don't allow the Holy Spirit to pray through them on a regular basis. Sometimes people say, well, I'll say praying in tongues for church. Well, it's good to pray in tongues for church. Well, when I'm really excited at church, I don't have any English word to say, I'm going to shout in other tongues. That's fine. That's scriptural as well. But if you only leave it to a few moments on Sunday, you're not going to live the limitless life. You'll stay inside the box. Now, go to, we'll come back to Romans 8. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 14 real quick. 1 Corinthians 14. We'll come back to this example. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, however in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Now, this word mystery means a hidden thing, a secret. Generally, mysteries, religious secrets, confided only to the initiated and not to ordinary mortals. A hidden or secret thing, not obvious to the understanding. A hidden purpose or counsel. It is the secret counsels of God in dealing with the righteous. When we consider what Acts chapter 2 says that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, that word utterance is a dignified and elevated discourse of divine hidden things which include the plans, purposes, and counsels of God. This utterance of mysteries also includes an elevated and dignified giving of thanks to God and magnifying God. So praying in tongues is an utterance of mysteries. Praying in tongues is an utterance of mysteries. Now, I referenced this briefly this past Sunday, but one of the things you read the New Testament, you see a lot of things that are mysteries. You see the mystery concerning the kingdom of God, the mystery concerning Israel, the mystery of iniquity, 
the mystery of being in Christ. There's a lot of different mysteries listed in the New Testament. But you know what also is a mystery? What you're going to do tomorrow? What God has ahead for you next year? How many of there's some things in your life that are mysteries? And when you pray in tongues, you can pray out the mysteries in your life. It's an elevated discourse of the plans and purposes and counsels of God. It's not just a lot of, a lot of excited speech. It's not a lot, of, a lot of excited rambling in a language you can't understand. It's an elevated discourse that brings forth the divine secrets, plans, purposes, and counsels of God. It reveals hidden things. You have to understand the plan of God is not hidden from you. It's hidden for you. The book of Proverbs says counsel is in the heart of man, but a man of understanding draws it out. When you pray in other tongues, you are drawing out the plan of God that's on the inside of your spirit. It's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you, and it's hidden in you. But how many know praying five seconds in tongues a day is not going to get much out? It's going to take time. How many of you takes a little bit of time for you to wake up? Now, some of you are morning people, and you just open your eyes, and you just, oh, it's a sunny day. The birds are out. And you just jump out of bed, and you just, I'm not talking to you people. I'm talking to you who's like, I just need a little bit of time, some coffee, some quiet, just a moment while I adjust to the fact that I'm awake. Now, if you know it takes you some time to wake up, why does it seem strange it takes you some time to pray out mysteries? Especially if you're going to tap in to that elevated discourse. It takes time to cross over. It takes time to get into the spirit. Because you have to imagine, you can start praying, it's like, oh, God, really? Oh, okay, I'm going to pray. Oh, I'm tired. I'm going to pray. Oh, why, why am I awake again? Let's pray. And how many know? It might take you a good 5, 10, 15 minutes in the Spirit till you get yourself right. You're not getting the Holy Ghost right. You're getting yourself right. And by the time you finally get going, that's when stuff begins flowing. But you have to take time to actually cross over. Because once you learn how to cross over on a regular basis, it won't take as long next time. But most people don't spend long enough praying in the Holy Ghost to cross over and deal with things. So you live limited. And you don't experience the benefit of the elevated discourse that has been given to you that reveals the counsels, plans, and secrets and mysteries of God. Now go back to Romans chapter 8. We're still talking about how to get all things to work together for your good. Because praying this way is connected to it. I said praying this way is connected to it. Because there's so many things in your life, you don't know how to tie those things together. Anybody ever experienced that before? I still remember uh, it was about a year and a half ago. We had so much popping off in our life because of some water damage we had at our house. Like it wasn't just normal water damage. It was extreme water damage during the holidays. And so we had to move out of our house. We moved to another place. And the place we were in suddenly had water damage. Twice. And so 
We said this is a lot. Our friends said this is a lot. And our insurance company said this is a lot. <laughs> and so when things kept popping off, you know, people's like, well, what do you have to say about that? I say, you know what? It's working for my good. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. It's working for my good. We ended up moving out of state because there was no other place available. You said, you guys didn't live here? No, we don't live in Georgia. But you were here every Sunday. Yeah, I personally bought a ticket to get here. We didn't live close. And so in all that drama, what I keep saying, it's working for my good. It's working for my good. So another important thing, if you want it to work for your good, you have to make sure you keep your mouth right. Because you can pray right and then kill your prayers because you got a loose mouth. So many people's miracles have been delayed by their mouth. You think it's Satan? No, it's your mouth. Oh, it's the enemy? No, it's your mouth. Make sure what you pray lines up with what you say. Because you're going to believe one, either your prayers or the words that you say. So you make sure that the words you speak and the words you pray agree. And we know that all things work together for good. Now, this word good means that which is good, that which is beneficial, and that which is pleasant, agreeable, joyful, and advantageous. All this is in my notes. It's, it's that which is good, that which is beneficial, that which is pleasant, that which is agreeable, that which is joyful, and that which is advantageous. So that means everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. The unfair and the ratchet. All the bad things you went through. All the betrayal. All the people who lied on you. All the people who stabbed you in the back. All the people who weren't there for you. All the people, you have a whole list of stuff that you don't like that's in the background of your life. A whole bunch of stuff can work together for your good. Because you have to understand, God didn't cause all that bad, horrible, ratchet, wicked stuff. But he's an expert at making it work for you. So don't blame him for stuff. Oh, God sent that to me to teach me something. Well, if that was true, you would have learned quicker. <laughs> because if you think about it, it took you that experience. It took you a long time to learn a lesson. God didn't send it. Could have been the enemy. Could have been ratchet people. Could have been you. Now, let's say you make a mistake and it caused you to go through some hard times. It's a lesson, not a lifetime. I said it's a lesson, not a lifetime. Learn your lesson and move on. If you don't move on, you'll stay trapped. If you always think, oh, I should have done this, I should have done this. Well, great. Yeah, you should have, but the past is gone. Go into the future God has for you. Because so many of you are living life like, why isn't this not working? My life is not working. This faith is not working. Why is this not working for me? I, I'm trying. I'm doing, you know, I'm giving. I'm sowing. I'm tithing. I'm coming to church. It's just not working. There's something missing in this controller. There's some pieces missing. But what happens when you pray in the Holy Ghost? And as it says, you love God and you're called according to his purpose, he will cause all things to work for your good. 
Now this word work is very interesting because this word work is where we get, in the Greek is where we get the word synergy. This word work in the Greek is where we get the word for synergy. Now what's interesting about this word work here is that God causes all those things in your life to come together and work together like you would think, you know how there's a, a phrase when they say, okay, we want corporations to have that corporate synergy, right? God is able to take all the things you've been through and make it work together so you experience the synergy in your life. Everything. Whether it's what God planned for you or not, whether it was good or not, God is able to make it work for your good. You have to think about Joseph. What do you say at the end of his life? He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save much people alive. And if that Old Testament prophet could say that without knowing all we have today, can't you say that? You see, Joseph learned a lesson to rename his pain. When you look at the meanings of his son's names, he said, I have been fruitful in the land of my affliction." That's what one son's name means. And the other one is, God has caused me to forget the pain of my past. He renamed his pain. Rename the stuff you've been through. Stop calling it your trauma. Stop calling it your issue. Stop saying, well, this is the issue my family has. Stop. Rename it. What should you speak? Life. What should you speak? Hope. What should you speak? Faith. What should you speak? Love. What should you speak? The goodness of God. What should you speak? The deliverance of God. If you want all things to work together for your good, you have to learn to rename some stuff. You can't keep calling what they did to you. You can't, I think Marilyn Hickey said this way, you can't keep nursing it and rehearsing it. You have to curse it and reverse it. You can't keep going about what everybody did to you. You'd be a bitter person. There's too many bitter Christians. You call it holiness, but you're just bitter. And you look down on people and judge people. And that root of bitterness defiles many. You can't just keep going over those things. You can't. And even when you think you get over it and, remind, and you're reminded of it, sometimes it's not just your mind, it's sometimes the enemy trying to remind you, hey, remember what happened five years ago? You have to respond to that thought, I'm not thinking it. I'm not touching that with my thought life. I refuse to recall it. Hey, we're about to go into election season. You know the people who are really good at doing this? Politicians running. A journalist says, well, you said this. I don't recall that. <laughs> well, you said this. Here's the tape. Here's the tweet. I don't recall that. So when it comes to your past, you need to say, I don't recall that. Do not recall it to your memory if you want all things to work together for your good. Because if you keep recalling it, you're going to stay in the past and won't go into the future God has for you. Say, don't recall it. So this is for all those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, it's easy to say, oh, I love God. We can sing it all day long. But Jesus said, say, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. First John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. 
Second John 1, 6 says, and this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning that you shall walk in it or live it. So what does it mean to love God? Do what he says. Just don't have a lot of lip service. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Do what Jesus said. Oh, I love Jesus. Then follow him. Tell me that song. Do you love God? Then do what he said. What do you say? What do you see in the New Testament? Love him, love others, and follow the commands. Oh, we're under grace, and grace has commands. Read the New Testament. There's a lot of them. Follow them because they flow from God's love for you. There's a lot of people say, well, I don't need to do that. It's 2023. I can do what I want. Baby, you're going to run into some stuff. Especially with what is coming down the pipe in this nation, this is not the time to play. This is the time to get right. Because what's coming in 2024, year of light, there is coming unsettling and uncomfortable exposures. There are wonderful things on the horizon, and there are some whew, terrible things on the horizon. Well, how do I decide between the wonderful and the terrible? Get right. Walk in the light. Follow the Holy Ghost. Leave your past behind. Sometimes that means leave the crew you've been hanging with. I was listening to this book the other day, and it was talking about a person who had tried to quit smoking so many times and he couldn't do it. He would smack, I don't know how many packs a day he would smoke. And he tried it, and the person said, hey, if I, a person writing a book said, if I could sponsor you to go to this place, would you do it? He said, okay, I'll pay the whole way. And what he found out that happens is why he was able to quit this last time is because he stopped hanging out with smokers. Because when he made that decision not to go back, they didn't want to hang out with him, and he realized he was only smoking because he was with them. You have to make a decision that sometimes if you're going to elevate, you have to leave certain groups behind. It doesn't mean that you're better than them. It doesn't mean that you don't love them. It just knows you know how to follow God into your future. And eventually, maybe they'll catch up. Because if the group, if you, you be praying to the Holy Ghost, living the Word, you're doing good, but you go out and hang out with that group, and before you know it, you're at the club, you high, and then you wake up with somebody else the next morning. You got to change your community. You have to surround yourself with people of faith, people of the Word, people of the Holy Ghost, who can walk with you, and when you have a crazy moment, can check you. Some of you single people don't need a spouse. You just need a community. Because you ain't ready to get married. Some of you not. Y'all are like, oh, Lord. I thought all things working to my good, Pastor. Well, I just need someone to complete me. How dare you give somebody power over your life to make you whole? The only person is Jesus, and don't you dare give it to some other person. Because they can't complete you. Do you know what happens if two half people get married? Dysfunction. Because you'll both expect each other to make you whole, and you'll both be disappointed and upset, and then the grass is greener on the other side, and now you're sleeping around and all these things, trying to find someone to complete you when Jesus says, slow your roll, let me do it. And here's just a pro tip for some of you, you know, believing people come to the kingdom of God and they get saved. Don't jump on them. Let them grow up. 
Let them get out their spiritual pampers and off the spiritual tricycle. Let them know what a Bible is first before you try to, I think the Lord sent them my way. Slow down. Let them grow. Well, they're saved, but they're babies. Let them grow up. I'm just trying to get all things to work together for your life. Some of you is, you just need to slow down a little bit. Drink some tea. Take a cold shower. Slow down. Just because it's getting colder doesn't mean you need somebody. Because you can find somebody and then they break up with you right after your refund truck comes in next year. And they break up at the right time so they don't have to get you a Valentine's gift either. Bible, Bible, called according to his purpose. There we go. Called according to his purpose. This word purpose, it means when it concerns your purpose, make sure you're doing what is already revealed to you and what God has set before you to do. Because this word purpose comes from a Greek word that in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, talks about the showbread. Talks about that was laid out in the temple or the tabernacle. So it's not talking about doing stuff you don't know. Do what's already revealed to you. Do with what God has already put in front of you. Because so many people say, oh, I'm waiting for the next step. Have you done this one? Oh, no, I'm waiting for the next step. No, 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 no. Do that one. Oh, I'm going to fast for the next step. Well, did you do the current one? The current one helps you get to the next step. Because some of you, Jesus, are really planners. Who are the planners in here? Who are the very planner, the meticulous people? You plan everything in your life. Let me see your hands. Some of you are like, oh, no, he's coming at me. Yes, I am. It's good to plan your life in every way you can. It's good to know the state of your flocks, as the scripture says. You should know that in every way that you can. However, when it comes to certain things of the spirit and the plan of God, you may not know the next step. And if you wait, so I'm going to keep praying until he tells me steps 1 through 26 and A through Z, you're going to be waiting. And wondering why life is passing you by, be obedient. Take the first step. I'm just trying to help all things work together for your good, guys. I'm just trying to take the first step. Slow down and going after that relationship and take the first step God's been telling you to do. Because so many people miss these steps and they jump into relationships and then they need help. Come on, marriage is hard if you do it right. But if you do it wrong, Lord have mercy. You keep saying it's them. The court said it was you. It's not just them, it's you too. Look in the mirror. The man in the mirror, who wanna quote Michael Jackson, the man in the mirror, look at the person in the mirror. It's not just them, it's you too. Where was I? James 5.16, there we go. Let's go to James 5.16. Can all things to work together for your good. Because this type of prayer is not something you just pray one day. This praying the Holy Ghost, I took time one day. As we shared last week, it's something that you do on a continual basis if you want things to work together for your good because you have to think there are many things in your life there are many moving pieces in your life even if it's just you and you're the only person you got to be concerned about there's a lot of many pieces in your life but if it's you and you married and you got some kids that's a lot more moving pieces you got grandkids there's a lot more moving pieces you got a job you got a career you got a business you got this there are so many moving pieces in your life and it's going to take some time praying in the Spirit to bring all those things together to make it work for your good. I was reading this book. I think it might have been a book 
uh, by Dad Hagen, maybe called tongues beyond the upper room. And he talked about a time early in his ministry where the Lord has let him spend some time at the altar praying. And he spent hours praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then he had the vision. He saw some stuff coming out of him. And the Lord revealed to him and said, yeah, well, that's something you were taught. That is wrong. And then he saw something coming out of his spirit. He says, it looks like a dress shoe, but on the bottom, it has squid-like tentacles. He said, that's a religion that came from your denomination. What they teach mostly is right, but that's some other stuff you got to get out of you. And he did it by spending time praying in the Holy Ghost. Getting stuff out of him, he didn't even know it was there. Because there's a lot of stuff in you. Some stuff is good. Some stuff should be there. But there's some other stuff that got to get out. And you don't need to go to a deliverance meeting to get it out. <laughs> cast it out, Pastor. You don't need nothing cast out. You, if you say, baby, you don't need anything cast out of you. You just need to obey the word and stay on the altar. You know, God told the prophet, talks about how his people are like clay on a potter's wheel. And so he's forming and fashioning you. Your job is to stay on the wheel. Don't jump off. Oh, I made a mistake. Stay on the wheel. Let God work on you. He didn't quit. He's worked on harder cases than you. You ain't some special case where you perplex the almighty God. You have not perplexed the all-knowing one. He knows how to deal with you and all your issues. You want to know how? Look at the Bible. All the people outside of Jesus had issues. A lot of them. Like, read the Bible. Like, read about Abraham's issues read about Jacob's issues read about all of Jacob's sons we celebrate Joseph but the rest of them mercy let God work on you stay on the wheel or as Paul said that offer your body your life as a living sacrifice what would happen when you offer a sacrifice you would put it on the altar and keep it there any person in ancient times, you took the sacrifice off the altar, they think, well, what are you doing? You not just get a side eye. They'd be like, what in the world is you doing taking the sacrifice off the altar? The whole purpose of the sacrifice is to put it on the altar and leave it there. So Paul says, you are a living sacrifice. Keep your life on the altar. Keep yourself on the potter's wheel and keep your life on the altar of God. Keep your life dedicated. Keep your life holy. Holiness is still right. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart for God's use. That's why you know you can't do everything the world does. Why? Not because you're better than them. You just know I'm not them. So I'm going to set myself apart for God's use. It talks about in the letters to Timothy that you want to live your life such a way that God can use you for special assignments. That you're not just the common pots, the common silverware that you just throw away after you're done, but the one that you bring out for the special holidays those special utensils. You want to live in such a way that God can use you to do the special high-level assignments. But you have to set yourself apart. And you do that by setting yourself a time for prayer, time in the Word, and learning how to tell the world no. You can't do everything because you're not them. I still remember this time. So I remember January 14, 2000. It was the end of one of Bishop's ministerial conferences. He's about to dismiss. And he walks by me, and he freezes. And then he looks at me. He said, I know I'm your uncle, but I'm not flowing as your uncle. 
I'm the, under the anointing of God. Step this way. And then he begins to prophesy over my life. I'm this young teenager. He begins to prophesy over my life. And the Holy Ghost says, the anointing that's on Bishop comes on me then. I've lived longer under Bishop's anointing than I've lived without it. Because he said, that anointing upon me then will bring about me a victory, even for then. And so it was a great impartation of the anointing. Like, I started right at the altar. I ended up in the middle of the sanctuary. Because he just kept laying hands on me, just laying hands on me, just laying hands on me. It was a great time of impartation. And when I got home that night, still processing, because that whole drive home, I could still sense the power of God reverberating in my body. So listening to what God said. And I got home, and my mom came to me, and I talked to her about this years later. She says, I don't even remember saying this. She said, there are some places you won't be able to go because of the anointing that's on your life. There's some things you won't be able to do because of the anointing that's on your life. There's some people you won't be able to hang around because of the anointing that's on your life. Protect that anointing. And that's what I've learned to do, to protect that anointing. And years later, I met someone who's never known me for Adam. They said, you've protected the anointing on your life like it's been a jewel. You have to understand, if you're going to live holy, you have to protect the anointing God has given you. And that means you just can't do everything. And the thing is, you won't be missing out. You'll be reserving yourself for the best. James 5.16. Let's get to the latter part of the verse. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer. Amplified Classic Edition says the heartfelt, continued prayer. Not the prayer once. The continued prayer. Avails much or causes tremendous power to be made available. Then it gives us an example. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What does it mean? Elijah was just like us. Sometimes we look at these biblical heroes and say, oh, they were special. Yeah, they were. <laughs> just like us. Unique, just like us. Had issues, just like us. But it gives us an example from Elijah's prayer life that we're supposed to model. It says, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah, from this place of effective, fervent, continued prayer, prayed, and he stopped things, and he started things. But this wasn't some quick prayer. And it wasn't an easy time that he was living in. When you look at the story of Elijah, it starts at 1 Kings 17, but if you read 1 Kings 16, I put it in my notes, it talks about Ahab. Now, Ahab led the northern kingdom of Israel called Samaria. And all the kings in the north were bad. Every one piece, like you had a couple good ones, they were all bad. And they kept getting worse. And this is Ahab did more to provoke God to anger than anybody before him. Now, you got to be, that's pretty bad. It says more. And remember, God is long suffering. And it says Ahab did more to provoke God to anger than anyone before him. And the thing is, I said, if it wasn't just enough, because there was a sense of, there was a previous king who created a religion because he was afraid that God's people would turn and follow the southern kingdom of Judah. He created a religion, and he set up two gods. This is what's called the sins of Jeroboam. When you read the kings, you see the sins of Jeroboam. He created two gods, and it says, it's too much for you 
to go all the way down to Jerusalem to worship. It's too much. It's too much. So here are these two calves. These are the ones who brought you out of Egypt, and I'm going to keep it near you because it's too hard for you to go to Jerusalem, and you come and worship it. So out of fear and convenience, he created another religion. And then he says he hired all of the people who had no morals in the kingdom and made them priests of that religion. And it became a snare to Samaria for the rest of its days. So that was the prevailing religion. So Ahab got there. But Ahab won't be outdone by wickedness because he married a woman by the name of Jezebel. And Jezebel was a daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zizonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he built in Samaria. So if Samaria wasn't worse, he said, I'm going to build you a whole new temple and add on to the things. The temple of Baal. Now you have to think about these Baals, Baal and Ashtoreth, these pantheon of gods, ensnared Israel more than any others. And what was so bad about these gods that Ahab set up that came from Jezebel's home was that they were fertility and weather gods, which you have to understand in ancient civilization, fertility and weather represents prosperity. And what made even worse about following the Baals and Ashtoreth and the other pantheon of Baal gods they set up is they came with a profane lifestyle. Now, even though in the last couple hundred years so many things have been made secular in our understanding, you have to understand there's a lot of things people do today that if ancient civilizations saw you, they wouldn't be shocked. They just think you're worshiping. They'd watch you at the club and say, oh, they're worshiping. They'd watch you getting high and say, you're worshiping. None of this is new. It was just forms of worship to the demonic idols. So they wouldn't be shocked by how people live today. They'd say, oh, they're just worshiping their God. And so this profane lifestyle that Ahab and Jezebel and the others were promoting in Samaria, they're promoting us as this is what's going to bring you prosperity. This is what's going to bring you the life that you want. This is the kingdom Elijah was living in. And he began to pray. Because notice, didn't say he prayed that it would start raining. He prayed that it would stop. Because everybody who's Living for Baal thinks their horrible, ratchet lifestyles is bringing the prosperity. And Elijah said, enough. And he began to pray that the economy that was produced by Baal be stopped. And so Ahab, Elijah comes to Ahab, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Party is over. Now, you know Ahab and others didn't believe him. Like, who's this crazy dude? But how many know when, when weeks and months with no rain, the rain season comes and gone, they're like, wait a minute. Because now the economy begins to change. I'm just looking for my cutoff point. Because I might have to pick this up in midweek. The economy began to change because of the sins of the nation. I'm going to say it again and let it hit you deeper in a few ways. The economy began to change because of the sins of the nation. 
the economy began to change because of the sins of the nation. The nation is reaping the harvest of what it sowed. But what happens to this praying man? What does he tell him in verse 2? Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So he goes and he hides. And one of the things you find out when you read chapter 18 is that Ahab and his people are searching for Elijah. They can't find him. So not only is he in the brook, he's supernaturally hidden. He's supernaturally protected. Everything is going around in the nation, but Elijah is not experiencing it. Let me say it again. All these things will be going around in the nation, but Elijah would not experience it. He was hidden by God, supernaturally taken care of by God. It says every morning and evening, the dirty birds will pick up some food and bring it to him. Now, some of the commentary says that the birds would fly to Jezebel's table, pick up her meal, and take it to the man of God. What is that? A wealth transfer. In a time of national judgment, a wealth transfer took care of the man of God who was praying before God and obeying God. In a time where the economy came to a screeching halt because of the profane sins of a nation, the man of God was fed, provided for, and protected and experienced a wealth transfer. I'm telling you, things are coming down the pipe in this nation. Prepare yourselves by getting right. Prepare yourselves by following the leading of the Holy Ghost. Because then you can experience this benefit just like Elijah did. Because it wasn't just for Elijah. He's a special person. No, Elijah was a man just like us. And we can receive the benefits if we follow his faith and his endurance. Because one day it says the brook dries up. Now that just makes sense. If there's no rain, the brook will eventually dry up. And notice what it says next. The Lord, where the Lord came to him, it says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Now he was so interesting. Where did Jezebel come from? Zidon. You know where they're not going to look for him? In Zidon. Where does the Holy Ghost send him? Zidon. So while he's there, he says, I have commanded a widow woman there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. But you know what most Christians would have done? I like the brook. I like being by the brook. I like this food being brought to me. I like Uber Eats every morning and every evening. I like this lifestyle. Yes, the brook dried up, but I'm going to speak to the brook. Brook, I command you, flow again. It didn't work. Well, let me dance around the brook a little bit. Come on, let me put some shout music on the brook a little bit. Let me praise God by the brook, because the brook will flow again. No water. Confession works if you speak what God says. Praising your answer in 
works if you're being obedient. Because the answer already came. He said, get yourself to Zarephath. So that means that brook wouldn't flow. And there's so many Christians still by the brook. And they say, oh, I guess this provision thing doesn't work. I guess prosperity doesn't work. I guess God doesn't have plans for me. Leave the brook and go to Zarephath. What does that represent for us? In a time, all time, but especially when a nation's economy comes to a screeching halt, make sure you're following the voice of the Holy Ghost. Make sure that you're willing to innovate and change course. He said, well, I've been doing this for 30 years. That's great. It's time for something new. If the Holy Ghost says something new, you keep doing the same thing. If he tells you, keep doing the same thing. But how many know that it's just good to check in? Say, hey, am I still doing what you told me to do, or did I get off somewhere? How many know you can get off? You can be well-meaning, good attention, and get off. And so what you do? Check with the Holy Ghost. Am I still heading the right direction? Because you know, if a plane gets one degree off after several hours, it'll be on another continent. So you have to check in with the Holy Ghost. And so when he gets to Zarephath, you know, if God told, said, I have commanded a widow woman to provide for you, you thought, this must be a rich woman. You must think that her husband died and left her with a whole bunch of money, and she just wants to be generous and take care of the people of God, that, man, God has really set her up, set me up. And he gets there, and he finds this woman gathering twigs and sticks. Right? And she says, I'm gathering this so me and my son can make our last meal and die. That is some bleak situations. But notice Elijah said to her, go get me a cup of water. Now, isn't water premium and precious? But you know what she did? She went to get the water. Because God had told her, I'm sending someone. You take care of him. So she's like, I'll go get him some water. But then he says, oh, and before you make that meal for you and your baby, make me a little cake first. He would have been on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, on TikTok, everything. Look at that preacher taking that widow woman's cake. Story at 11. Right? People would have made their careers going after him. But notice what happened. She says, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself my son that we may eat it and die and Elijah says don't be afraid or do not fear and do as you said but make me a small cake, cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son for thus says the Lord God of Israel the bin of flour shall not be used up nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. See, the setup often that God puts you in it's not just so that you be good. It's to affect others as well. See, this woman's prosperity was directly connected to Elijah. And Elijah's prosperity was directly connected to that woman. And so what happened? It says she and he and her house. 
Well, who was in her house? It doesn't even tell us. But anybody who lived in that woman's house had more than enough until the rain came. He'll take care of you and your house. But my babies are in college. They still yours, ain't they? Did your baby stop being yours when they went to college? No, they still yours. He'll take care of you and them. In the times that are coming upon this nation, he'll take care of you and them. Because if he could do it for Elijah and this woman, he can do it for you. But you need to follow this example of faith and patience. Being sown consistently in that place of prayer. Consistently. Because that's what causes all things to work together for your good. I would say that Elijah is experiencing all things working together for his good. The economy of the nation falls out, yet he's supernaturally protected and provided for. Then God moves him to another location and takes care of him and everybody where he stayed. All things are working together for his good. You have to take this place of prayer daily. It is the effective, fervent, continued, heartfelt prayers that causes tremendous power to be made available. Because this is not the end of Elijah's story. He eventually confronts all the prophets of Baal in a mighty victory. But there's so much more to say, I'm out of time. Because also, there's a time coming up where Elijah gets depressed. And so many of us fall in that same spot. Because things didn't work out the way we thought it would. And one of the things I'll skip to, I'm going to go into it on Wednesday night. But Elijah said, God, I did what you said. But I'm afraid that it didn't work out. I was thinking all of Israel was going to turn. It says the Holy Ghost came upon him and he ran to Jezreel. Well, what's so important about Jezreel? That was where the palace of Ahab and Jezebel was. But instead of Jezebel repenting, she says, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And it says Elijah runs and says, God, kill me. So he wasn't afraid of Jezebel killing him. He was afraid of everything he did was for nothing. He was afraid that all his living, as the Clark sister would sing, was in vain. And he says, only I am left. They killed everybody else, but I stayed holy. I stayed right. And God eventually said to him, and he says, bruh, I have tons of people that you don't know about who have not bowed down to Baal. So once again, because I have to close here, follow the example of Elijah and learn that it's not just you going through. It's not you just you experiencing stuff, but you can get overwhelmed with the depression and the feelings that what you do is in vain. What does it tell us in 1 Corinthians 15? Let's close here. 1 Corinthians 15, I'll just unplug here and pick up Wednesday night. 1 Corinthians 15. Still the keys to make everything work out in your life. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Everything you do right, 
is not in vain. What God has called you to do is not in vain. Now, we look thousands of years later and look at Elijah's life. We know what he did was not in vain. But in the moment, it felt like it was. You can't give in to the feeling of it feels like everything I do is in vain. It feels like everything I'm doing is worthless. It feels like everything I'm doing is going down the drain. I remember I was recently in a meeting, and, and First Lady said the Thursday night meeting, that message was for her, but that Friday night message, it was for me. And the man of God was preaching. He stayed where he was preaching the whole time, stayed right at the pulpit the whole time until he was closing. And then the only time when he's closing was to stand right in front of me to tell two stories. And I was like, well, this is for me. The whole time he moved. And one of the stories, he said, there was a time, and I've never heard this man tell the story before. He said, it felt, I felt like my life was going down the drain. My ministry was going down the drain. And that's what the enemy kept putting me. He said, you're going down the drain. You're going down the drain. He said, I took my Bible and put it on the ground, and I stood on my Bible. I can't go down the drain. The drain's covered by the word. You can't quit just because it feels like everything is in vain. Just because right now the temporary feel is it's worthless. It's worthless. Is everything I do in vain? Of course not. Of course not. Know that what you do is not worthless. It's not in vain. So be steadfast and movable, always abounding, always overflowing in the work of the Lord. This message is to encourage you, but also to warn you about the days that are coming. You must be prepared. You must be ready. Another reason why you need to participate in those 21 days of prayer and fasting, remember 1st to 21st, because God will make things clear for you. All those who walk by faith and walk in love, everything will be all right for you. You'll experience supernatural provision just like Elijah. You just have to stick with it. Because God will promote you to places so what's on you falls on everybody under you. I started saying this yesterday when I began meditating on this. I said, every family, every church, every business, every organization under me prospers. Because before I would have said that, it's okay, well, that's faith, Christian, center, everything we do. But now I'm stepping into a role that's even more as a community leader that covers a good portion of this county and represents a number of businesses. And when I know what's coming on the earth gets here, what's on me falls on them. This county and your county will prosper. You have to talk that way. You have to believe that way. You know, one of the ways that really got me thinking, by the way, it's Coach Tony's fault. We were at the Men of Faith meeting, and we were talking about these different things, and he said out of his mouth, they've put Joseph over Egypt. And I began to think about it. That phrase said, think with me, Coach Tony. So thank you for it. And it kept sticking with me. I kept praying about it. And I said, well, what's coming? God has positioned all of us to save much people alive and show them the benefits of the supernatural lifestyle of faith. There's so much more I want to tell you about what's happening. I just can't tell you yet, it's so good. There's so many things going on in the background. 
And I keep, I co- like every time something new happens, I come on to a first lady, she said, well, that's what you've been saying. You said you're increasing in influence. And that's what's happening. But now it's not just over one realm. It's now also, I'm now involved with the school system. And the prisons. He's doing stuff that we prayed for years ago. It's happening. So we can't quit now. Because it's not just you on the line. That's a person in Zarephath on the line too. It's the other people you're called to reach. As Rick Renner told me years ago, there's somebody on the other side of your obedience. So you can't give up now. We are just getting started. So many wonderful things are happening. So many wonderful things. Maybe I'll tell you on New Year's Eve, but so many wonderful things are happening. (laughs) Don't give up. It's not in vain. Don't miss out on your miracle because you quit right before you got there. Uh, Stand your feet, I'll unplug here. So much more to say. So just join me Wednesday night online. And we'll pick up from here. Father, we thank you that you're faithful. Thank you for everything you did today. You did so much for us. And we're grateful. We are grateful, we are grateful, we are grateful. Father, help us not just to be hearers of this word, but to be doers of this word so we bless in our doing. And continue to let these words reverberate in our heart and our spirit and our mind throughout the week. And prepare us even more for what you're going to say to us on Wednesday and next Sunday. So that we can grow in these things. And experience the benefit of these things. No matter what comes upon this nation. And on behalf of our nation, Father, we ask for mercy. Mercy for our president and vice president. Mercy for the Congress. Mercy for the Supreme Court. Mercy for this nation from sea to shining sea. For you're not out of mercy. Yeah, we know what time is coming, and we're increasingly understanding more and more. But in the midst of this time, we ask for mercy. God, have mercy on America. Have mercy. Manifest your covenant love upon this nation. And see it through this time. Because America's best is yet to come. Have mercy. Have mercy. For it will lead to a rebirth of this nation. So that it can become everything you said it would be. And it will fulfill your plan. You have not forsaken it. Your hand is still upon this nation. So in this time, may it be cleansed. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and is to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message, and remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today. 
So expect miracles. God bless.